Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning and welcome to episode 66 of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name's Gus Logue. I'm joined by my co-host, John Shipley. And we're here to break down the Jacksonville Jaguars' move for Ezra Cleveland. The Jaguars made a deal. Uh, might not have been the one that everyone was hoping for or expecting. We'll get to that later. But the Jags did made a, make a move, and I feel like that's pretty exciting because the NFL trade deadline always gets like a little bit overhyped, especially relative to the MLB and NBA trade deadlines. I don't know anything about hockey. Or baseball for that instance. But like usually the NFL trade down is a little bit quiet. So the fact that a deal was made at done, I think is pretty exciting. Trade and trend, baby. Trade and trend. That's trade or trend. <laughs> 13 player trades since he became GM, I think that makes. And literally the only one where you're just like that was like a downright bad trade was probably like the Josh Oliver one. Because he went on to be like a super valuable player for Baltimore. But otherwise, he kind of he finds deals in player trades, man. You know, he yeah. they sent a six-round pick to Minnesota for Cleveland. It was it, it, it was funny, like, to see the reactions, like, to start with, how many people, like, so once they traded for Cleveland, I basically was, like, any, like, pre-rights I had or anything to do with a pass rusher, I was, like, okay, <laughs> exit <laughs> out of this now. <laughs> that's, 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 that's no longer relevant. Like, to me, like, they were going to make one trade. You know, like it, they love their draft picks. Like they literally just picked 13 players in a year where they had every starter but one return to the <laughs> team. <laughs> yep. the, there was a lot of op- optimism. Like I tweeted out a picture of Ezra Cleveland and Daniel Hunter standing next to each other. <laughs> it was like, what have I told you a few weeks ago? One of these guys would be a Jaguar. And multiple, it could still be both replies. And I'm just like, no, no, it, no, it can't. So I wasn't surprised to see them make one trade and, I wrote about it. You and I talked about it, at least I believe on last, like on the last podcast, like kind of previewing the trade deadline is like they could, they could definitely use like interior offensive line help. So it, it was nice to see that, you know, we weren't crazy for thinking that because they obviously went and addressed it, but ultimately sent a six round pick from Carolina to Minnesota for Cleveland. It's a six round pick they got as part of the LaVisca Chenault deal. So Man, if you can trade LaVisca Chenault for a rental of Ezra Cleveland, I think – I know that's not how it really works, but in my brain, that, that's how it works. That's yeah, no. I, I think it works that way. You can kind of cancel some things out and make it, make it easier for everyone. But, yeah, I looked it up. He has 34 catches in 19 games since. So that was a good trade. And then to then flip the pick for uh, what could be a rental, what could end up being a long-term fit, uh, I feel like – I, I gave this – do you want to just jump right into grades? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think it's good to talk about, like, the pros and the cons of the fit because, I, I mean, to me it really is, like, a super interesting, you know, kind of kind of trade for the Jaguars just because, like, to me there's more moving pieces than you would normally see out of, like, a late-round pick going for an offensive lineman. Like, this, 
this isn't a Cole Van Landen trade, which I was reminded was actually given up in similar costs, but nonetheless. So, yeah, we can go right into the grading. Holy cow. Yeah, well, that was like a seventh-round pick for him. Straight <laughs> yeah. up. That, that, I mean, he's still on the team, but that might be up there, honestly. So, so I said that I expected him to start because I didn't think that they would give up a pick for a guy who's not going to start. And someone was like, not the same thing, but they did trade for Cole Van Landen. And I'm like, I, I don't even have a retort for that. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so I gave the Jags a B plus because, like, I think it was like a really good trade, and I didn't give an A just because I feel like A's are should be reserved for like bigger trades. Like a Chase Young to the Niners could get like an A from either side, maybe depending on how you do it. But like, it's a six round pick for uh, offensive lineman who's like on an expiring contract. So like, I didn't think it was like as big of a deal to warrant getting an A, but I still gave the Jags a B plus because like even though it might not be as big of a need as edge rusher as we all kind of think collectively between the fans and the media, uh like interior offensive line and just offensive line in general was a need. And like you mentioned there's a lot of moving parts. There's been a lot of moving parts on the Jags offensive line with Cam Robinson suspension, injuries to Sheriff and Little, Arch uh getting benched and then released but then he just got signed to the practice squad earlier today um so just to like shore up the protection for trevor lawrence is never a bad thing and this has been like these eight weeks of the season is the most he's ever been hit or sacked in his career so any move to like help help out trevor lawrence's like security detail is probably a good one and then just getting uh giving a six round pick for a guard who started 40 consecutive games in Minnesota seems like pretty good process. Yeah. I mean, so if the draft was today, the pick they gave up would have been the 179th overall pick. The last 10 players drafted there are guys like Carl Brooks, Bradley Anay, TJ Logan, Drew Kayser, Max Velez, Perry Nickerson, Lamont uh, Gerard. Like it, I hope you're just not gonna... I don't recognize those names because I sure didn't. <laughs> Yeah, no, that I sadly knew a couple. <laughs> I, I, Perry Nickerson, if it wasn't for CJ Henderson, would have started a legit NFL season in 2020. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that's a deep. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I definitely think like there has to be like a scale of grades. I still, I don't know. I the way I see it, any trade has the potential to be an F. So I think any has potential to be an A. I I personally gave it an A just because, like I said, the cost was literally nothing. Like they 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 have four rookies who are like playing snaps like this year alone. You know, like they have more almost more rookies on the practice squad or off the roster than they have making impacts right now. The chances of them getting us like drafting a guy in the sixth round who can make a bigger impact than a guy like Cleveland can make in the second half of the season. It's just completely like minimal. I, I I'm honestly surprised that Minnesota didn't get more back for Cleveland, like from mm-hmm. another needy team. I know the Jets didn't have a fifth or a sixth. I know they're one team that a lot of people thought would be in the offensive line market. And yeah, I, I personally don't think Cleveland signs like a big deal with a team in free agency to like bank on getting a compensatory pick so that they at least get something back for services in this regard. So I get why the Vikings did it, but I also think it's a, like for a team that traditionally under bulky kind of, you know, buys low, 
Like, like they, they love lowballing offers from all indications. Like, I, I feel like them saying, okay, we'll give you a six for a starting offensive lineman was like a bit to start. <laughs> they kind of accept it. Yeah. yeah. You know, let's do it. I, I'm looking at the trades now. He was the only offensive lineman traded uh, last month. So, like, there just, like, wasn't really a market in general. I, I agree with you. Or, like, I feel like Cleveland's the caliber of player that, like, it could have been a fifth rounder from any team. And I don't think anyone would have blinked. And it would have been like, oh, yeah, that, seem, that seems fair. I feel like, like, I did a roundup of, uh, like, trade grades. And, like, pretty much everyone gave the Jags, like, a B plus or A minus. And the Vikings, a C plus or B minus. So, like, of course, like, opinions can change, like, after things play out. But, like, right after the grade happens, uh, it seems like the Jaguars got pretty good value. For sure. And, like, left guard has been, like, the position on the offensive line that has had issues more often than not. You know, they've had three different starters there. Walker Little only played 11 snaps there before he got hurt. So, there's no real sample size for how he performs there, but it, it would make sense for them to think he's a more natural left tackle. And at the very least, now you have a guard with starting potential. I mean, starting experience, not potential. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the fact that, you know, not to knock him, but Ben Barge, that he went unclaimed on waivers despite having like two and a half seasons of starting experience, like says a lot about where their offensive line kind of was to start the season. You know, like uh, the fact that they were able to get him back on the practice squad, Tyler Shatley, you know, really versatile lineman. I think he's a really valuable guy to have because, like, I, if you watch the Titans game last night, they had, like, an offensive lineman go down every other play. Tyler Shatley is really valuable because he can go in there in a pinch and, you know, the, the, he won't really hurt the floor of the offense that much. But I also don't think he's, like, an every week starter on a good offensive line. Yeah. So, I don't know, just me personally – the way, you know, they operate. I don't think they would have given up a sixth for a potential rental if he isn't going to start sooner or later. Maybe that isn't against the 49ers in, you know, nine days or whenever it is. Maybe that is too soon. Maybe you see Shatley there again. I don't think you see Little there. But I, I think for the most part, for this next, like, major patch of, of, of games that they're about to play, I think you're going to see him at left guard. I just I, I don't see why you make the trade otherwise, honestly. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Shally starts against the Niners, like you said, because, like, the, the only piece of information we've gotten from the team is Doug's instant reaction on the Pat McAfee show. And he said something along the lines of, like, having to get Ezra, like, in the building and caught up to speed and such. Uh, and then, like, Walker Little seems like he's probably close to returning. I mean, he was active against the Pittsburgh Steelers and just didn't log any snaps. So... I, <laughs> For, for the record, AJ Hawk on that bit. I know it was Halloween, but he looked absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah, that, that was. No, I I think he doesn't miss. I, I, if Shatley starts more games this year, I think it's just against 49ers and then you see him in there. I'd, like, I, I think what like Cleveland brings to the table overall probably needs to be more established because I know people – I think he's a top 10 guard, like, per PFF. So, I saw some fans taking pictures of his grades and be like, Jack just got top 10 guard. Like, they didn't trade for Zach Martin. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that needs to be said. But he's – I think Peterson called him, like, a starting level guard. And that's that's what he is. You know, he's a starting caliber left guard in the NFL who 
I don't think he raises the ceiling of their offense very much, but I do think he raises the floor in large part because one obvious connection with Phil Rauscher, the offensive line coach. I honestly feel like a moron for not connecting those dots. Like they're in. I was like, I felt like I was like hitting myself in the head after the trade happened. I was like, how did I not connect the dots? Yeah, like that. It's like super obvious move for him to, you know. So he was the assistant offensive line coach in Cleveland's rookie year, and then the offensive line coach there in his second year when he, you know, started, I think, every game at left guard for them. So he obviously knows what they're getting. Uh, he's, you know, he was one of the most athletic offensive linemen prospects when he was coming out of the draft. He has a second round pedigree. He's the same age as Luke Fortner <laughs> somehow. You know, he, I mean, he's only 25. So he, you can expect there to still be some good football, you know, coming from him. And I also think he fits like what they like to do more. Like you'll see there's not a lot of like screens or tosses or pulling plays with Tyler Shatley where they're trying to get him in space. Pretty much the only guard they try to get in space is Brandon Sheriff. And I think that's just because that's not really Shatley's game. Whereas Cleveland, he kind of opens up the whole playbook, I think, because he is very capable of doing that. But Anybody, I think, expecting him like come in and just be like a brick wall and like like be like an all pro caliber player, you're oversetting their expectations. But I do think he's a starter level player who should improve the offense. I honestly think where the Jags are at is like they're hoping that Walker Little is going to like return to be the starting left guard and return to be the best offensive lineman on the team. But in the case that that doesn't happen or that like Sheriff twists a third ankle then they'll have Ezra Cleveland as a backup plan. Uh, and, like, if Cle- like if Little ends up not, like, really returning to full health anytime soon, then they will have him. And then as for, like, why the Vikings did trade him, they he was going on the last year of his contract, and they signed Dalton Risner a few weeks or months ago. And Cleveland didn't play, like, the last game or the last two games for, like, a minor injury. And then Risner stepped right in and played okay. So... I think the Vikings were just thinking, like, we have, like, okay options at our starting spots. And, like, obviously their depth took a little bit of hit after the trade, but their starters are still okay, and they want to collect capital because that's kind of, like, their GM's thing, but also because they could be in the quarterback market pretty soon. It, it was a pretty good bit for them to trade for a starting quarterback and then immediately trade a starting caliber offensive lineman. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, like I, I think overall, like there's just not a lot of reasons like to dislike this trade. I I do think like personally, Walk a Little has a good chance of entering next year, you know, as potential starter at left tackle. I also think there's a chance they enter next offseason needing a new right guard as well. So, you know, having first crack at Ezra Cleveland, you know, going into free agency. Like I said, he's not a player I expect a team to have to break the bank for. Like I think you can sign him to a very reasonable contract extension as long as he plays well in this little like two to three month audition that he has with them. I mean, you look at Brandon Sheriff's contract going into the next year and it's like one of the clearest like ways for them to save some money, you know, and, and I would say the clearest. Yeah. I a hundred percent. So it just seems a bit inevitable at this point. So having another option like Cleveland who has, you know, he started at right guard, his whole rookie season. He hasn't played there, I don't think, since then, but somebody who at least has experience or maybe you at least have a starting left guard in tow and you don't have to find two new interior offensive linemen entering the offseason because it's hard enough to find one. You know, I mean, finding yeah. two, you know, would, would be tough. So I, I do think this at least covers some bases. And 
I also think it shows you that they know that they have a window for right now. You know, I, I don't think they would have traded for a player in a, an expiring year of his contract if they didn't realize that the AFC is wide open right now and that they very much so have a window. And as Jaguar fans should know better than anybody, like no matter what you think, windows can open and shut in a year, you know, like just, just because they have Trevor Lawrence, at quarterback and Doug Peterson, a head coach, which is obviously the two most important pieces to the puzzle. It might not be an every year window. So while you have it, you might as well take it and, I mean, credit to them for being – I mean, I don't think any other, like, contending AFC team, you know, made a move. I don't think Kansas City did. Miami obviously made their – yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Miami made their moves, like, before the season. Uh, So, I think for, like, a gauge of where the Jaguars see themselves, I think that was at least encouraging because if they sat on their hands and been, like – no, a six-round pick for the future is more important than taking advantage of this window. I think that would have been concerning. Yeah, because like they do have their second, third, and fourth-round picks for next year's draft kind of tied up because of the Calvin Ridley trade. So that was definitely a big reason they didn't go after an edge rusher like Chase Young or Montez Sweat. But they've also got Compex coming back from Jawan Taylor and Arden Key uh, in free agency for 2023. So they definitely have plenty of draft capital. They, they they might get seventh round. It's like not guaranteed, but they very. It's a real scenario where they might get seventh round picks for Manhurts and Marvin Jones too, which is wild. <laughs> uh, there was some like re- reports that Ezra wanted to play tackle because he played tackle in college, and so that might have been part of the reason that Cleveland like let him loose is because like they have two really good offensive tackles, so he was never going to start or get the chance at offensive tackle there. So like. Do you see that coming up as like any kind of hiccup in like what he wants in free agency in next offseason? I mean, maybe in a sense that he would want to explore his options more in the offseason and talk to more teams who would want him to play offensive tackle. I do think maybe it's kind of a hard sell because teams haven't seen him at offensive tackle really outside of – I'm not sure if he's played in preseason, but in the regular season, like since he was at Boise State because I, yeah. I think he was a college offensive tackle. So yeah. – and then in Jacksonville, like they just – like if like things were today, he'd be at best number four offensive tackle on the roster today if he was considered a tackle behind Cam and Walker Little and Anton's like – Adam Silver voice, you know, time to learn guard, buddy. Like, just, I, I, I just don't see a feasible path for him. So, like, if it was a case where, like, his next destination is set on his chances to play tackle, I wouldn't imagine it would be here because, I mean, even if they look at moving on from Cam Robinson the offseason due to his salary, which, you know, right after Brandon Sheriff, like, his contract, and I'd probably say Rayshon Jenkins are, like, the next two to watch just in terms of, how Wait. much money they yeah four years too I, I i feel like i don't know i don't, I don't want to get too into the weeds <laughs> yeah. but I, I i i do feel like that's one they can maybe restructure just because like he feels like a lifer at this yeah, point like, you know, kind of a, he's a like the most close one next to sheriff but it's like how can you like not keep him yeah so nicely structured deal that was but <laughs> not none nonetheless i I, like I said, I, I think he has a chance to be like a starting guard on a playoff team here. So 
obviously, if he wants to play tackle elsewhere, it'd probably be best if, you know, he took that chance. But if, you know, playing for a coach that he knows, playing in a similar type of, you know, I wouldn't say scheme, but kind of philosophy in terms of what they ask for their offensive linemen, I think it's a good spot for him. For, yeah, no, I agree. I, I was thinking the same thing you were about, like, there's not really going to be exactly any suitors. Like, even if you wanted to wait until free agency, like, I don't really think a lot of teams would be calling him to say, like, hey, come over and try to, like, fight for our spot for, to be our starting blindside protector. So. It, it, it is pretty funny that everywhere he goes has really good offensive tackles. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> Minnesota had Darison Brian O'Neill. It's, like, one of the best tackle duos in the league. And then he comes to Jacksonville, and they have two second-rounders and a first-round pick at that. <laughs> It's it's not gonna happen, buddy. <laughs> it's it's not. So I I believe that's all that we got to opine on the Cleveland trade. I, I think overall we're both fans of it. I thought it was a good move and a good process by the architect and a good example of bulky ball. I, I just want everybody to know the amount of bulky ball replies I got <laughs> after that trade made my week. So that was really great. It was. So we'll be right back after this ad to talk about. The other part of the trade deadline, what didn't happen. I guess the like I feel like the most fascinating part of trade deadlines every year is the trades that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like it's always all miracles. <laughs> Joe Douglas is one of my favorite GMs in the NFL simply for the pits he has. Like he let out to the media, like, yeah, I tried to trade for uh, Mike Evans and uh, Devontae Adams. It, it just they, they weren't selling. Like just like, okay, tell everybody that I was trying to make like these really cool trades happen. <laughs> I do think in the case of the Jaguars, despite I, I've seen like some thinking otherwise, I do think they were interested in the pass rusher market. I I predicted that they wouldn't make a move. I was wrong because I didn't think that they would make a move at all. So them getting Cleveland automatically makes me look like an idiot. However, it just it, it just really to me the vibes kept feeling like leading more and more into the trade deadline that they think that getting guys like Smoot and Hamilton back is good enough for what they have. And maybe they don't think the pass rush is as big of a need as those on the outside do. You touched on it earlier. They were never going to do the Chase Young or Montez Sweat trades because, you know, they can't. Yeah, uh, San Francisco technically used a comp pick to trade for Chase Young, but I, I, I just don't think the Jaguars are going to send a top two-round pick for anybody, even if it made sense to kind of bolster their ranks. So th- those trades, you know, were never going to happen. That left, like, to me, like, the only guys who made sense are guys like Josh Uche, guys like Carl Lawson. But we talked about it before. I don't think that they were ever going to make two trades. So I, I think basically, you know, picking between fortifying the offensive line and fortifying the pass rush. And they went with pro- not probably definitely the cheaper option in fortifying the offensive line, because I mean, from, you know, reports, I think I'm, I'm not sure if it was Albert Breer who said that uh, the Patriots had an asking price of a fourth for Josh Uche and Breer, you made it clear. It was like no trade was close on Uche. So it's not even like, the Jaguars went down to the wire. Like I'm, I'm sure that they were one of the teams interested, but it doesn't seem like any trade came close for Uche. And the fact that no team in the NFL traded a fourth for him kind of tells you that maybe the Jaguars were right about the market price. But 
I, I guess my question to ask is, you know, what would be more important is fortifying the offensive line for a six round pick or fortifying the pass rush for a fourth round pick. I still kind of lead pass rush. I, I still do. I, I, I get the argument and I'm hoping that you're going to make a counter argument based on your reaction, <laughs> but I, I still lean pass rush, but I, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to hear you out and get masterclass for once. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think the whole thing is just that like the price of the market, like you were saying, like, they were never going to trade for Chase Young or Montez Sweat. And those are the only two defensive players or edge defenders that were traded. So it's like if Josh Uche was traded for a fourth or a fifth round pick to another team, then like, yeah, Jags fans, I feel like would have a right to kind of like pull their hair out and be like, why didn't we do that? But the fact that he wasn't traded and he wasn't like the Patriots weren't close to a trade with the Jaguars or any other team for that matter is like, I feel like I can't really like have qualms about that. So like, for the hypotheticals, yeah, like in theory, I'd rather add a pass a j- pass rusher in general for a fourth round pick than an interior offensive lineman for a sixth round pick. But there happened to be an interior offensive lineman available for that price because the Vikings were in a spot to kind of sell a like solid starter. And then the same thing didn't happen with a pass rush. So like like, I would have rather them, like, stood pat and, like, continued with this, like, whole game plan of, like, oh, Smoot and Ham are coming back and, like, they're going to fix everything for us, which that's not exactly what they're saying. I mean, <laughs> it is exactly what they're saying, but not, like, that dramatically. Um, yeah. I, go, go ahead. S- settle on. Settle on. <laughs> you just got balled. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there, there you go. Market deficiencies. Like... I get that. I really do. It's just like the way I guess my brain works is we'd rather like rent a, like a legitimate pass rusher for the same value pick that you just took Ventro Miller and Tyler Lacey for. Like, that's not either one of those guys, but it, if they didn't draft one of those guys, they'd still be six and two. You know, like it's not guys who are making impacts. So. I, I guess that's my entire thing is that I personally wouldn't have balked at the price, but I also would have traded the first for Chase Young and he went for a third round pick. So maybe maybe I shouldn't be listened to at all. Other than Josh Uche, like what other like hypotheticals are out there? Like let's pretend that like Josh Uche like had like a problem that like scared off every team. Like I doubt that's what actually happened, but like let's just pretend that Josh Uche was like off the board and like none of us realized it. Like like, what else would you have wanted the Jaguars to do? Because, like, I certainly would have been, like, I don't, I don't know what how I would have reacted if the Jags sent a second rounder for Montez Sweat because that seemed like not a good trade for the Bears, especially, like, the direction of their team. Maybe it would have made a little bit more sense for the Jaguars, but, like, I get what you are saying, what you were saying earlier about how, like, just because the Jags have the coach and a quarterback, they're not going to be in it every year. But, like, at the same time, like, you know you're gonna be close to being in it every year, so like I like I wouldn't be in like a rush to like sell off picks. Like you're probably gonna be buyers at the trade deadline most seasons. So like again, the fact that there wasn't really an, anything out there that seemed close, like I'm not gonna get upset about it. Yeah, and th- that's fair. I like the only other guy that there was any chatter on, like in NFL purposes, was Carl Lawson, and nobody traded for him. So that's fair. But on the other hand. Josh Uche does exist. So, <laughs> that, but I, 
I, I, I get it to an extent. I, I get the bulky balling of, of – So the, my thing is, like, I'm obviously I'm with you that, like, pass rush is a need, but, like, people should have qualms with the team about, like, not fixing the issue earlier in the offseason, either, like, between the drafts, like, not waiting until the fifth round to get an edge rusher and then, like, yeah. not really doing anything in free agency. Like, I'm, I don't think people should get upset about, like, the Jaguars not forcing a deal for a potential need. Yeah, no, and, and that's fair. I, maybe the biggest bulky ball of them all was tying all those picks in the Calvin Ridley trade so that he had some plausible deniability, you know? Like, and maybe that no, also, I, like, saved him from, like, sending, like, two first-rounders for Daniil Hunter, which obviously wasn't going to happen. I'm exaggerating. No, no. Yeah, so I agree. Like, it's better to not make a deal than to make the deal that I think, you know, Chicago made – obviously. And I, I guess my entire thing is I'm not sure where the confidence, maybe this is a disconnect. I'm not sure where the confidence comes from that their pass rush will get better over the second half of the season. I know that's not the point you're making, but I think their internal reasoning for not making a, a move is that the pass rush will get better. I get thinking Smoot will improve as he gets more games under his belt from Achilles injury, but like just like the sheer fact of the matter is he's been one of the most inefficient pass rushers on a snap to snap basis the last, you know, since he returned Devon Hamilton, even when he gets acclimated, like his game wasn't like, he, he's not like an established pass rusher, like even in his best season. And I know he was trending toward being that this year, but a great summer against Luke Fortner does not equate to me. Like, you know, guaranteed inside push. And you already had, arguably the worst interior pass rush in the NFL. I, I do think Trayvon Walker getting a sack against the Steelers was like the <laughs> ultimate. Like, yeah, and Shally let up like a pretty bad pressure, if not multiple bad pressures against the Steelers, so that could have kind of sparked some calls to Minnesota. People act like those things don't matter. I absolutely think that <laughs> they saw Trayvon get a sack and was like, ah-ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, I, so here's, here's my – counter argument for the sake of Balky is that the pass rush just doesn't matter relative to other NFL defenses and relative to what fans and media think because like I think the Jags like do see the pass rush as a trade there's been like multiple reports from both local and national media that they've been like in the market for an edge rusher uh, like going back to the summer but as recently as last week or in the last couple of weeks Uh, but like they're fourth in defensive DVOA and EPA per play allowed, which is just like the two top defensive metrics. They're better than like yards allowed or points allowed. So they've got the fourth best defense and they rank 22nd in sacks. So I saw that as a reason at first to be like, oh, like you're not getting a lot of like pass rush, like make this move to take your defense to the next level. But they, they might be thinking like we're 22nd in sacks and fourth in defensive rating. Like, we don't need to do anything like our pass rush is doing fine. And like, we're going to get a little bit better, maybe not significantly better, but continually better from developments from chase on and Walker. And then the returns of Smoot and ham. And so like maybe the sack sacks will go from like below average to average. And then the defense will continue to perform like a top five team or perform like a top five unit. But for the entire season, like the Jags defense has put the offense on their back. And so I think it makes sense from like a zoomed out perspective that they're like, we don't really need to do anything for the defense. Like, yeah, sure. Another quarterback hunter would be pretty cool to like 
set loose on third downs, but the offense has been like what's been like holding us back from being like a true top team. I mean, they're like in that tier for sure, the Jags, but like they're not really pulling a game away from games like they should. And part of that is their interior offensive line. So that's, that's, the yeah, that, no, that's true. And it's not like they're losing like blowouts every week. That would suggest to you that like, okay, they need to fix, you know, the defense. My only thing is, I do wonder how noisy the turnovers makes, you know, some of those mm-hmm. rankings. And like, that's the biggest thing is, you know, how sustainable is that? I do think turnovers can be sustainable within a season. So that probably works to their favor, but I, 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 I get why they didn't make a move. And like I said, I'm not surprised that they did. Like it's, I think, probably like all the signs, like I said, leading up to the trade deadline was that they weren't going to make a move for a pass rusher. So I'm not too surprised by that. I guess the entire thing I I was criticizing to begin with was the fact that not willing to part with a fourth for a bona fide pass rusher, because I do think it says some overconfidence in one what you have and overconfidence, I think in their own evaluation ability. I mean, best case scenario, the fourth from their draft classes has been, what Luke Farrell so far? <laughs> yeah, like the other guys are like Jay Tavelle. Day three pick that's been solid, honestly. Yeah, it's been like Jay Tavelle, like Jordan Smith. I, it just, I, I get it, you know, to an extent. And I also think the fact that they've had good games against good offenses means something. Like Buffalo is number two in the EPA per play right now. They had a good game against them. You know, most of their touch points came late in that game on some like. YOLO plays. Uh, Kansas City is number five right now. They had, you know, a a good game against them. You know, the only offense that really had success against them was Houston, and that was mainly because of miscommunications. You know, they're number 14th in EPA per per play right now. And then they beat up on, you know, some bad offenses overall. I do think it's telling that – or not telling. I do think it's interesting that maybe their best – test of the year is going to be coming up with the 49ers because even though I think Brock Purdy is a completely forgettable NPC level quarterback, like every like passing metric stat you see for the 49ers offense to me is like a Kyle Shanahan stat. Like, no, Brock Purdy isn't top five in EPA this year. Kyle Shanahan. It's like, he's literally like playing Madden to me as a head coach. Like he's, He's pulling I honestly feel like what Brock Purdy is like what Gardner Minshew would look like if he was put into Shanahan's offense and shaved off his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> you're looking at it, man. Yeah, I, somebody. So Chase Young's first, very coincidentally, first game with the 49ers will be against the Jaguars. Mm. I tweeted that, and somebody was like, "Well, can you play quarterback?" And I'm like, "Yeah, probably <laughs> for them. Like, probably good, dude." Despite all of that, like they still have like you know the number three offense in EPA play. It's a really good passing game, not in the traditional dropback sense, but just in terms of efficiency. I'm interested to see what their defense does against that because I think that will be like the benchmark for how far this defense has really came. Yeah, I think that's fair. To wrap up an earlier point, I said the Jags defense like doesn't really rely on pass rushers relative to other defenses, and like the Niners is a pretty good like case study or example against that because like. The Niners' defense is, like, all about rushing four and, like, relying on the talent of those four pass rushers to get home while they play coverage in the back end. 
And like, obviously it isn't, isn't that simple on a down to down basis, but like, that's like generally what their plan is for the pass rush. But then the Jaguars, like they're so focused on stopping the run. And then like, it almost seems like containing and like collapsing the pocket more than just like getting completely after guys sometimes. Uh, and so like a chase young is like, certainly would be great for the Jaguars offense, but like, isn't needed as badly. Like, just having like that type of like dominant edge rusher on the edge is like important for every defense, but it's more important to a defense like the Niners than a defense like the Jaguars. So it's a, it's a fair point. No, that, that is a good point. It, I do again, hearken to the fact that they took a edge rusher with the number one overall pick, but I know that I guess pass rushing isn't really his, top priority and the, the, this is all like very funny to say out loud like, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I, I the Trayvon Walker comp is Ben Simmons because like Ben Simmons was like so good at everything except for shooting like great IQ great ball handling great passing great defense both like on ball and the perimeter but then also in the paint like he could do everything except for shoot and like Trayvon can do everything except for rush the passer. He can contain the edge. He can play the run. He can take on tight ends and the chip help and all this like BS early down stuff. Uh, and he's just not good at like hunting the quarterback. So that's that's a Trayvon comp. You're gonna be writing columns for a locally and nationally syndicated newspaper. This right? <laughs> no, I. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I wish I could, and I want to go down swinging and screaming at the top of my lungs. Like, no, I'm not crazy. You're crazy for <laughs> saying. But no, like that's, and I, I do think like the Jaguar specific defensive in- infrastructure is another reason why, you know, they didn't move like, like make a move like that. I thought Mike Tomlin's quote on the Jaguars defense uh, before they played their game was like the best description of their defense yet. It's like, it's a three, four in structure, but they play it with four, three guys. Like their outside linebackers are like literally massive. And, you know, they're just basically throwing as many big bodies they can at the line of scrimmage. I, I also think that you have to factor in Josh Allen and his contract one and the fact that he's having the best year of his career. But I do go back to the fact that again, I don't know. I can't. I, I can't get away from it. That you. You literally just had a fourth round pick as a healthy scratch. You can get a comp pick in two years. You're set to get two to four comp picks. I still think it would have been worthwhile a move to make to add a designated pass rusher. But I, I get why they didn't do it. It's just I don't know. If if it doesn't work, I I I will not be one of the silent. I, I think there's like a really good chance that like no one's really going to think about like their lack of a move for an edge rusher again until the playoffs because like they'll play some pretty solid offenses between the Niners and then the Ravens and the Bengals but like then in January is like that's really when it matters is because like last year like they lost against Mahomes on a hobbled ankle so then like every every single rider was like all right biggest offseason need is pass rush I feel like the same thing could end up happening again is like they lose to an elite AFC quarterback. And then it's like, oh, all right, it's pretty obvious. They need some pass rush. Uh, but again, like, yeah, that's, if that's you're kind of a, go ahead. That's kind of a terrible scenario. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, again, though, like, if Josh Uche was traded for a fourth, I would totally be on your side and I'll be like, this is like, 
they totally should have like sent a fourth and a six and like made sure like they had the best offer. But like since Uche wasn't traded at all, like my blood's not boiling boiling too much. He he's about to be my DJ jerk. He he is about to sign like a three million dollar contract in the offseason and then never be heard from again. <laughs> Just like when I went down kicking and screaming about them not re-signing DJ Shark, and he's gone on to be like one of the most inefficient receivers in football. Man, I love DJ Shark too. Yeah, I'm 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 fully prepared to look like an idiot. I'm fully prepared to get bulky balled. I good for you guys. That was, that was a proper you bulky ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got master class. I get it. I get it. Well, I, I I guess before we go, at least you know a couple of the other trades. I don't get how. Okay, maybe maybe I am higher on Chase Young than anybody else in the world. I don't get how you get Chase Young for a late third round pick when Montez Sweat goes for a, like like that's really a top thirty like a second round pick by the Bears is a top thirty five pick. It's basically a first round pick. If Some getting people, a comp pick from the 49ers is basically a fourth round pick. Some people seem surprised by that too. They were like, Oh, I like like people like big NFL wigs that like are like in the know about like how like valuable NFL players are in terms of trade talks. So they're like, oh, I, I didn't think he was going to go for that high. Like, what? It's Chase Young. Like, I'm, I guess like there's been injuries and like a lack of production, but like it's Chase Young. Uh, like, you did you did bring up a good Josh Allen point earlier. It's like the Jags didn't trade for a pat, an edge rusher like Chase Young or Montez Sweat, partly because of Calvin Ridley, like locking up the picks. But also because, like, they already have their own edge rusher who's, like, about to be a free agent and they have to figure out that situation. So, like, having Josh Allen and Chase Young, like, both going into free agency would have been an interesting thing to handle. And that's part of the reason, like, Washington made the moves they did. It's because Montez and Chase were both going into free agency off seasons. And so they were like, "Let's, let's get some capital while we can. Yeah, like, I, I get why Washington did it. I- it, I also like you said it best earlier. Like you look at like their stockpile of picks, and there's literally no way they could have done it. Like a, a trade for either one of those guys. I definitely think you'd rather be on the side of standing pat as opposed to the side of trading a top thirty-five pick for Montez Sweat and not having a contract extension <laughs> locked up. Because like by all the reports. So uh, I think it was Jeremy Fowler reported, or maybe it was Dan Granzino. One of the two was uh, like, if he got traded to Atlanta, an extension was already like a part of the deal. But now they got traded to Chicago. He's like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna see where things go from here. <laughs> so I'm like, I just I, you can't convince me that everybody knows better when you look at the Chicago Bears operation. Like I, I'm, I, I I I could do a better job. I don't care. I could I could do it. It was like the most one of the most obvious like I'm trying to save my jobs moves I've ever seen. It was crazy in like any industry, let alone in the NFL. Like, and obviously Montez Sweat is way better than Chase Claypool, but making that trade a year after the Chase Claypool things, that's a good bit. Unbelievable. He just got traded. What was the compensation? Like a seventh rounder to the Dolphins? Something like that. That's tough. That's tough. That is tough. That is tough. All right. Gus, you got anything else? I got I got one hot take. I should have uh, got it off my chest earlier when we were talking about Sheriff, but the hot take is that the Jacksonville Jaguars, with their first overall pick, first round pick in the 2024 draft, will select offensive lineman Graham Barton from Duke University. 
he's an offensive talk tackle for Duke right now, but he's like one of those guys that has short arms and he had a, uh, a little bit of experience at center. So everyone's like, Oh, he's like the best guard in the class and can move anywhere on the line. And he's like, I mean, as of now expected to be picked in like the twenties or thirties range, probably. So basically I was just looking for like the best, like the best available guard. Cause like the take is really just that the Jags biggest off season need is going to be guard. Cause like, yeah, they're going to need to do more with their pass rush, but like they're still going to have Trayvon Walker, and I would still expect them to have Josh Allen, like maybe on a franchise tag or something. But I would expect Allen to be on the team next season. So, like with Sheriff being like a likely casual cap casualty, and then like Ezra heading to free agency and not having a long term deal, and Chatley, like clearly they think of him as a backup. Uh, like there could be two new faces at guard starting in 2024. So I think they'll take a guard in the first round. That's good takesmanship, Gus. You, you could have – I'm going to hold you to that specific guard. By the way, so I, <laughs> I know, to... I know. I'm like now in every single mock draft, I'm going to have to do this Duke guy just because John yes. will switch. <laughs> like, exactly. So that's good takesmanship because you could have played it safe and just said they're going to take a guard, which I still would have respected. But I like that you mentioned a specific guy that I can hold yep. your feet to fire to for the next – for the next several months, months. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't think that's a bad take at all. I, I really like. They, they're going to need to throw some resources at the offensive line, and that's obviously going to come via the draft as opposed to free agency. So, I, I don't think that's a bad take at all. And like when they're looking for a pass rusher, they're definitely going to look like for a guy like Arden Key, you know, <laughs> like right. the guy. That <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a whole. Yeah, thing. Hey, no, like, no, he. he it's you know, all he, yeah, he, the price they're willing to pay for an edge rusher. It's yeah. like they weren't willing to pay Arden Key, even though like his contract wasn't really that big for the Titans. Like he was, I feel like he wasn't even really paid as a starter. He was paid as like just more of a rotational guy than he would have gotten snaps with in Jacksonville. So like, go ahead. You didn't hear that he left Jacksonville to be a starter and has since started three games. <laughs> that is what I that's, heard. That's the popular take. That rubbish, guess. But then, like, the the Davion Clowney, Calais Calais Campbell, and Yannick Ngagwe, like, all came in for free agency visits during the offseason and all left town, presumably because the Jaguars weren't willing to promise, like, a significant amount of snaps. So, like, yeah, pass rusher is going to be a big need next offseason, but, like, I don't know if they're going to spend a first-round pick on someone, assuming Josh Allen is in their long-term plans and not just their 2024 plans. They, and to Balky's credit, they were right about Calais and Gakwe. Yeah. Like, and Gakwe's had a terrible season, like efficiency wise. And Calais, like he, like they, they just didn't really need like him for the world he's playing right now. Clowney, that, that, uh, Clowney is still the move I think that you're going to look back good. at. Him. I will say, in defense of Yannick and Calais, like they played in like terrible situations. Like the Bears have like the worst defense in the league. And, like, part of the reason they just trade for Sweat is because, like, their defensive line, like, rotation was kind of in shambles. So, like, maybe that Sweat makes life a little bit easier for him. And then, like, the Falcons are playing Calais on the edge, like, the majority of snaps. And he's just, like, out there at nine technique. It's insane. He's fighting for his life. Yeah, exactly. So, I I feel for them a little bit. I hear you. I guess. You got anything else for us? I'm I'm good. See you. I lost. Yes, sir. See you Monday, my friend. We'll be back some point next week to talk about Jaguars 49ers. Not sure 
you know, exactly how we're going to tackle that week. But you can also, you know, each week we're also going to have the Jaguar Report Fantasy Podcast. Uh, Zach Schultz, Jaguar Report's resident fantasy and betting, you know, writer. You know, he's done a lot of work at some other sites. You know, he has, you know, a really informative, you know, piece each week on the best Jaguars bets. You can hear him once a week, but we will be back at some point next week to talk about exactly how Mike the Hammer Caldwell will dissect Brock Purdy. Looking forward to it.